This is Agents Influence Podcast. People are misled into believing that all policies are the same, when in fact there are many contractual examples of policies not being exactly the same, and it was the frustration of that notion that bothered me, and the notion that it can be done in a few minutes, it looks like we've brought the insurance purchase down to name that tune, and so I can name that tune in 10 minutes, I can name that tune in 6 minutes, and those are very frustrating because insurance professionals who study insurance know that you can't do a good risk analysis and, and design a risk management program for someone in 2 or 3 minutes. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. All right, all right, all right, everybody. Welcome to Agents Influence Podcast Conversations with Jason Cass. And today I am here with Mr. Ed Higgins. Now, guys, this is a little different, right? Because this is an agency intelligence. This is the conversation. So, Ed is an agency owner. Ed, uh, we could have him on agent intelligence because the, that is where we're bringing the real agency intelligence and not the artificial intelligence that they tell you out here. But here's the reason why I brought Ed over on Agents Influence. The reason is, is what the topic is. And this is something that no one talks about, hence why he comes on Cass's podcast. And this is something that we all think about, but no one says anything. You know why? Because you think to yourself, what power do I have to change this? Even though we know it's wrong as insurance agents. And then my phone gets a, I get a ring from Mr. Ed Higgins. He says, Cass, I need your help. I said, what? He said, there's a lot of stuff going on in the industry. And one of the things is the consumer's being misled. And we got to get it. We got to, we got to bring this back in focus. So, you know me, I mean, I love insurance. I'm a geek. Consumers like them, creating customer experience. I'm like, tell me about it, Ed. He says, Cass, you got to sit around and wait for about two or three months. I got, I'm, I'm gathering steam. I said, okay. So about two months later, Ed calls me back. He says, Cass, I got this thing. So he sends it over to me. Keep in mind, guys, I have no idea who Ed is. We've, we've never spoke, okay? How we originally got together was whenever I told my story, Ed is one of those people who has one of those stories. We're not going to talk about that on this podcast, but he's one of those people. And so he throws this up to me. He says, Cass, here's the outline. When can we do it? I'm breaking this down. This is the only guest I've ever had on the podcast who literally like wrote out like bullet points of, hey, this is what we need to talk about. Let's keep it focused. So he's either real thorough guys or he knows that I go off on a lot of tangents. But here, here he is, Mr. Ed Higgins. Ed, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Jason. Good morning. All right, man. Ed, tell us a little bit about you. Who are you, man? Well, I'm an agent and I started the business in 1974. And I had an agency at that time with one half of an employee living in a small rural town in upstate New York on the St. Lawrence River on the Canadian border. And uh, during the 40 years that I was in the business, we slowly uh, grew the agency from a half an employee to 16 in four locations. And uh, we went paperless in 2001. And we were one of the first agencies to have an employee work at home in 1995. And so I'm a great believer in technology. And I know that technology is a great way for agents to even the playing field with a larger agency. And uh, I've had a great ride through the industry. It's now time for me to think about retirement. But one last project I wanted to try was this one before uh, before we decided to hang up the cleats. All right. Um, And this is a good one. And I like what you're doing here. And the loyal listeners are going to like it. But first, they're like, who is this guy? Cass, when are you going to ask him the three questions so that we know who he is? So, Ed, let's start. Are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? 
Excuse me? Oh, I'm a, a droid user. You're a droid user. All right. A man after my own heart. Fantastic. And what do you think? Do you think that uh, do you think that you've gotten where you are now based on more luck or more skill? Well, you know, when my son came into the business, I told him it wasn't interesting how hard the harder he worked, the luckier he got. And so I'm a, right. I'm a firm believer that the the reason why we were able to make the achievements we did over time was because we were strongly dedicated to a quality value model for clients and found a way to leverage that with technology so it actually could provide clients a, a value added difference. And so clearly I'd say I'd say it's gotten there based upon technical knowledge. So um Tell us what you think. Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Oh, you know, the, the, the uh, second place is first loser. And so That's right. my, my whole attitude is that, you know, it only counts if you're the lead dog. And I've done a lot of things with technology on a leading edge on the premise that it's a lot more fun to be the lead dog. And even if you get things wrong in the beginning, the marketplace is a little bit forgiving in the early stages because nobody's doing it. And uh, when you get to be the, the lead dog, uh, the scene changes all the time. And that's where the fun is. That's right. So, yeah, I'm, I, I absolutely believe in winning. <laughs> it's the same scene when you're in second, third and play, fourth place, ain't it? Just a bunch of asses in front of you. Yeah. Well. yeah, yeah that's the way it is. So, okay. So, so here's the thing. I love it how you talk about value. So, so here's the deal. I'm going to set this stage for you and I'm going to set this stage for the loyal listeners. We're going to probably talk a lot about generational differences. Okay. So in, as I go through this, I'm not saying that veteran agents are old. I'm not saying that young agents have no wisdom and no knowledge because I get that all the time when I talk. But I believe, Ed, that when you when we talk about this topic, there's going to be differences in frame mind frames that while I believe and trust in what you're saying, I'm also going to bring the devil advocate from probably some of the younger folk that I hang around who would counter what you're going to say, but yet agree with you. Okay, so it's it, it's in agreement, but it's looking at it from a different angle is what I like. So so I just want to set that out there for everybody. But you talk about value a lot. When I talk to you in emails, when I have you on the phone, when I see your outline, you talked here, you talk about value. You think that is so, and you feel as if that is so important to what we do. Get, let us get a glimpse into your brain. Why? Why is that so important to you? Because of the time of claim, first of all, I'm very proud of the of, of the business I've been in for 40 years, and it creates it the business itself is a valuable contribution to the economic fabric. And what's really important is that people understand what they're buying, because when you're buying an insurance policy, it's a contract or transfer of risk, and it's difficult to see that. So you need someone who can guide you through the coverages, the exclusions, and the conditions, because. It's, we, we find with a new employee, for example, they don't understand why there are dollar limits on certain kinds of property. And we explain the fact that it's like building a manufactured car. We make presumptions about the average person needs. But if you need more, we can provide more and tailor that to what you need. But what's important is to make sure that you take the time to explain those things to a new client so they don't get a bad surprise at the time of a claim. And that's where the technology comes in, because if you don't find a way to leverage technology, you can't find a way to create the time to spend with people on a face-to-face value-added model. And when people have a claim, we don't run the other way. We run to them, because if we've done the job right, there's no reason not to be an active participant in the claim. And lots of times you'll find out that there are, there are lots of other people who touch the claims process, and they create opportunities for things to go wrong. And by our acting in an integrated way with the claims process, we ensure that everything progresses correctly and people get their expectation. Wow. That was good, Ed. I'm telling you right right now, 
I'm telling the editors, they're listening. We got to cut that out. Like what he just said. I mean, that is what we do as agents right there. That was really well. And did you just get in the business or you've been in it for 40 years? My goodness, that was good. <laughs> I'm telling you, that was, I really like that. I mean, if you could give like an elevator speech of who we are and what we do in 30 seconds and not say the word, um, that was it, buddy. That was good, Ed. That was good. I like this. So Ed, why I believe that value is important is something that I was always told that it's not based on price. It's based on relationship. It's based on the value that you give the client and all this stuff like that. And you know, as a young producer, I'm like, baloney, man, this guy ain't doing business with me. If I'm not the le- the cheapest baloney, this guy ain't doing with me. He doesn't care about that coverage. And I thought this, and then as I started to get, you know, more mature into my insurance, uh, you know, years, I realized to myself, I was like, well, maybe this is a little bit true, but one day, one day something happened Ed, changed my life and it was 2013 and I'm sitting there and the lady's name is Deborah and she calls me on the phone and she says, Jason, I'd like to get an auto or home quote. And at this time I work out of the basement of my home. So I'm curious how she found out about me, said she found out about me online and I collect all the information. We do the whole thing. We believe that if you can have the client on the phone for 15 to 20 minutes or more, your closing rate's like over 90%, right? So I got her on the phone. We're talking about all this stuff, all kinds of things. And when I go to quarter insurance, I look and I notice that she was with Geico for four years, but that she had been with this other agent on the on the report for the last year, and it was right in the middle of the policy term when she was having me quote. So she had been with Geico for four years and then in this agency in town for about a year and a half. And this independent agency in town is a very good agency. I personally know the owner. I've said this before, and I mean it. If I wasn't an insurance agent, he would be somebody that might have my insurance. So anyways, I was going through this whole thing. And I said to that to her, I said, Deborah, I noticed that you were with Geico, and then you've only been with this agency for a year and a half. What, what's going on? And this is what she said to me, Ed, changed my world, made me start creating a podcast, made me write a book and make me write my second book right now off of what happened, what she said right now, when I'm getting ready to tell you, she said, Jason, you local agents don't provide the same amount of value that Geico does. That's what she said to me. Now, as I've said before, if you've heard me talk about this, and if you haven't, this is new to you. There's only two emotions you can have there, Ed. There's only two emotions. One is, how dare her? How dare her not know the blood, the sweat, the tears, the money, the time away from my family that I've put into this, that I can provide those face-to-face meetings, those warm handshakes, to be able to be there at claims time, to do what you said, Ed, to what your little elevator speech was. And I thought to myself, how dare her? But then what happened is I sat back for a minute and I, I encountered the second emotion. And the second emotion was, how dare me? How dare me to cast my values for what I think is important to the client onto her? My buddy Travis, my business partner Travis says, Jason, never sell life insurance with your own wallet. That's what we do every day, Ed. We, we don't sometimes look at the value of the client. We look at the value of us. So why I think value is important, I think it's important that we also define the value of the client and not the value of the agent. What say you, Ed? Well, I think what the, the value of the client is, is in their recognition of, of assets they have to protect. And we, we need to listen to what they tell us because one of the things that happens is that 
in some of the direct service models, carriers are able to provide a very good customer experience. And we need to make sure that we're looking at that model and figuring out how we can uh, basically outclass the model to give them a better experience with us. That includes allowing them to communicate with us on multiple different channels at their choosing 24-7. And what we found is that if, if you're careful and you listen to your clients and you're responsive to them, that uh, you'll, you'll make progress with them. That's right. And it's listening to them because that's the key. Because a lot of agents think that warm handshakes, face-to-face meetings, and wood paneling walls in their office are a value. And it's not. Because mobile apps, online bill pay, on, uh, online servicing. See, we used to think that insurance was intangible. But to the consumer today, it's, it is an intangible product, but the services you offer are tangible. Because yes, they buy it for the claim, but they know they're very rarely going to have one. It's the 80 touch points they're going to have over the course of being with you for eight years with the payments. Those are the the type of things. So anyways, let's go on to this. So now looking at value, now setting that up, what, what do you got going on? What's in your head? What's this last thing you're doing before you hang up the cleats, as you say? Well, one of the things that has bothered me is that there has been an increasing premise that insurance is all the same and no policies are different from any others. So the real key is you just go find the cheapest price. And that way to find the cheapest price, to, but find it on the model that easier, faster, cheaper, better, that we have a, a product you can purchase in less than 10 minutes. And there are some insurance carriers that actually claim they can give you a quote in three minutes. And the, the thing that frustrates me about that is that you know you know that from your own experience of not having that customer on the line for 15 minutes, that the people who are who are buying that product don't understand what they're buying and they get a bad experience when they have a claim. The unfortunate part is too, when they have that bad experience at the time of a claim, you and I and everyone else get labeled with the idea that insurance is just a scam. And, and that really troubles me a lot. And so much like you suggested earlier, people don't talk about this topic because we've all said, you know what, it's way too big. There's no chance that I can make an influence on that. Well, you know, I grew up my whole career. I spent the notion that one person can make a difference. And so I reached out to a couple of real experts, Chris Amrine and Bill Wilson, and uh, they helped me write this document that basically points out some of the flaws in the current models and the kinds of things that we need to work on to make things better. And that's going to involve going to insurance regulators and pointing out to them that the consumer is not getting a fair shake because they're not getting the full information they ought to get to make a well-informed decision about purchasing purchasing the product. So let me tell you, everybody, loyal listeners, he just mentioned two names that you probably don't know who they are, but it's important to understand the posse that that this guy's rolling with, okay? I mean, Chris Amrine, People have no idea. Like, I mean, I had to tell him one day when we were in Boulder, Colorado, I said, you don't know how much you mean to me, to my, to my career. Back in 2003 to 2006, I went to a lot of his classes. I love the way insurance is fun. That's what he stands for. I love Chris. I literally had to take him aside and just tell him one day, like, you don't know how impactful you are. And then this boy, Bill Wilson, who happens to be in our mastermind, AI mastermind, and is always spitting awesome coverage in there. So guys, that should give you a little reference to who Ed is because the posse he's rolling with is deep. And am I correct? Also, um, Wes Bissett is also helping you in this or no or yes? Yes, Wes Bissett has been a a counsel to us and helping us understand the best way for us to be able to effectively uh, take this story to regulators to get them to respond. 
So the reason why the consumer likes that direct response though is because I'm buying this car and I call my local independent agent. It takes them four hours. It takes them four days. Hell, I'll be surprised if they even answer the phone and I can just call this Geico place and I just get it. I understand it may not be the same coverage, but I'm buying this vehicle, Ed. Help me. Well, you know, I, I don't don't disagree with that. And one of the things that I, I work with, I used to be the former chair of uh, the Agents Council for Technology, and Ron Berg is the current uh, executive director of that organization. And the I, man. Su- I suggested to Ron that we need to work strongly in cooperation with our partners, of our company partners, to be able to create those same kinds of experiences for customers and a customer experience that they can get on, on that other environment. And so we we need to be able to touch them in the same way they're touched on online with other experiences and help them understand that they're going to have a better experience with us. You're darn right they are. And then that's the thing that I hate. You know, I'll go on, I don't want to go on about it, but Debbie, uh, Deborah actually told me why she ha- was leaving this agent and she tried to add earthquake and tried to add a vehicle and, and the agent never called her back and she worked the swing shift from three to 11 and he would always call in or she couldn't, it was just unbelievable thing she was having. And she was like, man, when I was Geico, I changed it to vehicle. I just did this, did this. And that's why sometimes I don't mean to be rude, Ed, but like those agencies that are providing that type of an experience are giving us a bad name as independent agents. And here's the deal. The person left our competitor. The person left the direct writer. The person had left the bad coverage or the missing coverage and had an independent agent that was providing great service, but she jumped back based on the fact of not the coverage. Now, do you think, Ed, this is my question to you, do you think she jumped back not knowing of the coverage difference, or she didn't care about the coverage difference because of the value she thought she got with Geico? Unfortunately, I don't think consumers understand enough about coverage. And so I think they tend to often focus on things like price. And I think it's important to recognize that the project that we're working on is not focused on the independent agency channel. It's focused on the fact that the consumer is not being protected by regulators. But someone tapping him on the shoulder and say, hey, before you make this purchase, understand protecting your assets is an important task and don't make your decisions solely based upon price. We'd like to see the regulators require that the person or at least counsel the person in a recommendation that they should talk to a live person before they uh, make their final decision. And that does not necessarily mean face-to-face. That means in whatever communication channel that consumer wants to deal with, whether it's live chat or whether it's on the phone or, or using their, their mobile device, however they want to communicate, but have the opportunity for them to really understand what they're purchasing before they make that final buy decision. That's right. Um, and, then, and then the other thing is, is that I'm looking at this and I'm looking at some of the, the, the notes that you put together and I had highlighted and, and some things. And, and I think we're going in, I think there's a lot of agents out there and I'm, and I'm going to say some companies because they're, they're national, they're commercials that I'm specifically talking about. But like me personally, these Liberty Mutual commercials, I hear so many agents talk about these Liberty Mutual commercials and this new one that they have like, well, we, um, uh, we insure only what you need or something like that. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I'm sitting in front of a client, I could say, would there be a possibility that you could be sued for three to $5 million? And when they say yes, cause like literally 99% of them understand that they could be, I'm going to say, well, then we need to sell you insurance for what you need, right? Liberty Mutual sold you 100, 300 limits, but they're telling you they need to sell what you need, but yet you're telling me you need $3 million, right? It's the fact that the consumer hears that and is like, 
oh yeah, that's what I need. Cause you know, Jason, I, he tried to explain replacement cost to me and I don't understand why it was higher and he did a good job. And I guess so, but this place here is saying, I only need to buy what I need, right? It's those kind of misconceptions that's irking me. And I think that's what is at the crux of what you're trying to do here, right? You're right. And uh, a quality insurance program is not a soundbite. Ooh. Ooh. Ed just dropped it, folks. Do you hear that, loyal listeners? Man, I like that. Good one, Ed. I love it. Man, I love it. You, you came prepared. That's what I'm talking about. Here's what. So how did we arrive at this starting point? We wanted to engage in collaboration with two well-known industry experts. You mentioned that. Chris Amrine, Bill Wilson, and Wes Bissett, who's kind of helping along with this. That's the posse you roll with. That's good. You bring in a lot of recognition besides the fact of, of your history of who you are. You've identified the system failure lies with the insurance commissioners failing to provide full transparency and full disclosure to consumers. This is a consumer issue, not a carrier or a distribution channel issue. Please explain. Well, first of all, let me go back and, and give a little bit of recap on Chris Amrine and, and Bill Wilson. Okay. Chris Amrine started out as the education director of the Florida Independent Insurance Agency of, of Florida, and then he moved to national and was the education director at the Independent Insurance Agency Brokers of America. And Bill Wilson was the uh, founder of the virtual university, and it was actually through interaction with Bill through the virtual university where he answers technical insurance questions from agents around the country, where I became engaged with him and this notion that all policy is not the same. And so, you know, having exchanged many times with Bill, his frustration that people would call him up and say, well, how, how does this coverage work on a homeowner policy? And he'd say, well, in order to give me a correct answer, I need to know what the policy form is, what the addition date is. And one of the great things that Chris did when uh, Chris uh, does consulting for claims processes, he always makes sure he's looking at the policy form because he recognizes that all policies are indeed not the same. And so in order to give you the correct answer, we need to know where to look in the policy, but more importantly, we need to make sure we're looking at the right policy. And so it was those conversations that led me to the absolute conviction that people are misled into believing that all policies are the same when in fact there are many contractual examples of policies not being exactly the same for those things that are being sold as a, as a commodity to the general public. And it was, it was the frustration of that notion that bothered me. And the notion that it can be done in a few minutes, it looks like we've, we've brought the insurance purchase down to name that tune. And so I can name that tune in 10 minutes. I can name that tune in six minutes. No, I can name that tune in three minutes. And those are very frustrating because insurance professionals who study insurance know that you, you can't do a good risk analysis and, and design a risk management program for someone in two or three minutes. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merged? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. 
We flew to Columbia, we saw his operation, and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at Virtual Intel, that's with two L's, that's Virtual, I-N-T-E-L-L, dot com. Go check us out, see what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology, delivered right into your agency, and you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, requiring, recreating, trying to find processes. Just, there's so much stuff, I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel, cast certified. But what if you have AI technology and machine learning and internet of things and over 3 million data points that you're able to pull over to be able to not necessarily make that part of the rating issue, but have that in front of you to confirm that really fast and be able to say, boom, 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 it is and go. I know that there's a place out there called uh, uh, Hippo, hippo hippo.com, myhippo.com or whatever it is. You can go there. You can put in your information. You're going to have a quote in 60 seconds and you can quote buying an issue in three and a half minutes. And I will tell you right now, I have done a lot of quotes in the 15 states trying to test them out. And they are very competitive. And here's their, here's their thing, Ed. Here's their thing. This is where they change the game. They just cover everything. And what I mean by covering everything, like there are no endorsements. Like you automatically get the equipment breakdown. If you buy their policy, you get it all. But they've been able to competitively price it. Now, you may say, well, wait a minute, Jason, there's a, there's a price for every coverage. There's a premium that needs to be had for the risk. That's true. But if you find out the way that they're doing their underwriting model, they're passing the underwriting model off onto the reinsurer, Munich Re, and they take a certain percentage of the premium. So what happens is they now do not have the underwriting risk. The Munich Re loves it as the reinsurer because the reinsurers are trying to cut out the middle. That's one thing, loyal listeners, that you don't really understand is that really the if the reinsurers had it their perfect way, they would eliminate all of the insurance companies and come direct to us. That's really what they want to do. But anyways, they're not going to because the, the middle carriers are needed to be there. But think about that, how carriers could start saying, wait a minute, we're going to unload and offset this underwriting and we're going to give it to the reinsurer. We'll take a certain percentage of the premium, no matter what it is. You know what that's starting to do, Ed? Not only is that starting to change the game on the way we're starting to look at how we provide coverage, if we can provide more coverage, then we eliminate some of these gaps. But also the thing is, it allows a company like Hippo to go into cat states like Florida, Texas, California, and be able to offer a competitive product there because they're not so much worried about the underwriting profit that it's more of coming from Munich Re. Interesting, right? But that's where I think we're going with some of this. And that's why I think this is important. But I think some of the things that we're saying, hey, there's all these gaps and this and that. If I talk to Mr. Bill Wilson, he would say, Jason, the data is not there to qualify and drive a good enough quote. There was no data five years ago. The data is pretty good. And I bet in 10 years, it's going to be even better. What say you, Ed? Well, let me suggest to you, I have, I have two answers for you. Come on. The first one is on the rating. Okay. Um, and what we're talking about is when we're talking about value and we're talking about a quality insurance program, we're not talking about the rating process. We're talking about the risk analysis process. And I think the agencies of tomorrow are going to have to adopt all those technologies to allow the rating process to be condensed into one or two minutes. And so that we can equal any experiences out there in terms of how long it takes to give you a quote once we've determined the kind of cover that you want. And more importantly, Warren Buffett is proposing right now a three-page policy that will cover everything. And, yes. and, and no exclusions, no endorsements, no conditions. Yes. And yes. the Bill Wilson's answer to that is, 
the only person who can possibly be really excited about that long term are the plaintiff's attorney bar, because you know doggone well that when you actually get into a claim situation, there are going to be situations that are going to be not they're going to be precedents for them. And they're going to be resolved, resolved by court cases and long drawn out arguments about what's covered and what isn't covered. Right. But, but, but yes, yes and no, Ed. So hold your second part here. Yes and no. So let's, let's talk about this. See, you're basing that on decisions of how litigation and tort is done today without the effect of AI and how that's going to affect litigation. A lot of the stuff that we're going to find in the past has been proven to be this way based on someone's opinion or some actuary thing is now going to be proven based on scientific data fact. And now I think that's where you're going to start transforming some of that. You're going to transform the claim process. So yes, if we take that theory and we put it into tomorrow's world using today's tort reform, I think you're right. But I think that there's a lot of other things going there. I think Warren Buffett is with somebody, but I do like Bill Wilson's reply as well. That's very true. But go ahead, Ed. Well, I I think one of the things that, you know, has always struck me as as a matter of being successful in business, you look at places like Kodak that went out of business because they couldn't change. And you look at Sears closing all their stores because they believed their old customer loyalty model was going to keep them alive forever. And as the world changes, we need to change with it. So I I have a completely open mind to how we will approach insurance in the future. But I still believe that there will always be a need for counseling people on protection of their assets and recognizing some people, frankly, don't have any assets to protect. And so for those people, I'm not so sure that there's, there's a lot of importance in them spending a lot of time in developing an insurance program, because if you don't have anything to protect, then what have you got to lose? On the other hand, the people who do have assets to protect, I think, are increasingly conscious of the fact that we live in a world where uh, people are perceive us to have assets and they they try to take them away from us if they can. And that's why we need to make sure that we're properly protected in those circumstances. Not everyone needs a $5 million umbrella, but some people definitely need a $5 million umbrella. That's true. That There's no ifs, ands, buts about that. And how I know what Ed is saying is right, and you loyal listeners know this because of past prod podcasts we've done recently, he's right. There will always be a need for an advisor, a trusted advisor. I mean, You guys are sitting there going, Cass, like, dude, like, are you really saying that? Yeah, I'm really saying that because he's absolutely right. And if you listen to Dan Burris, the futurist that we had on, if you listen to anybody, they will tell you that relationships are the future and AI and machine learning and the internet of things and automation and outsourcing is only going to enhance those relationships so that the trusted advisor not only has more time to spend with the client in the things that Ed's talking about, but also is better equipped. You know, one of my buddies always says, Ed, he says, I don't make this. He's a big automation data guy. He said, I don't make decisions based on the way I think or feel. I base, I make my decisions based on what the data says. And I think that that's really important. So why I like you keep going on here. So you've got this thing going on. We've got, I mean, we got our starting point. What are we asking for? What are we really trying to drill down and who are we trying to ask? Well, we're at the ask is ultimately of the insurance regulators across the country, and we're really asking for four things. The first one is that we want to we want to have a disclosure that recognizes that all policies are not the same, and caution consumers when they're about to make a purchase decision that they should actually consult with someone and or take a look at the actual policy. And currently, policies are not available to consumers. When you think about it, insurance is one of the few items that you buy that you can't actually see the product in, in your hand until after you purchase it. So we're, <laughs> we're going to request that the regulators have all policies put online for people to be able to inspect the policy. Now, 
individuals probably aren't going to be normally prone to go look at those policies because you know that consumers often don't read their policy anyway. But we can then uh, encourage other people to compare and contrast policies, much like consumer reports would do, to point out flaws and in, 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 uh, deficiencies in certain, certain coverages. For example, one carrier says that they won't pay a collision claim if there's an undisclosed driver on the policy that's driving a car at the time and has a collision. There are many people that aren't aware of that. There also are policies out there that say they do not cover any business use of a vehicle, even when you're driving for your employer in your own personal car. And so those are the kinds of things that we, we want people to have the opportunity to understand where the differences are. And if, if there's someone who's ever, the second bullet is if we're advertising a product uh, to the direct to the consumer, we think it's important that the full disclosure details of that coverage be disclosed. One example is a carrier who offers a full car instead of three quarters of a car. Well, if you go look up the details of that coverage, it turns out that the car has to be less than a year old and have less than 15,000 miles on it to qualify. That's right. That's fine. But it's misleading to suggest that we're going right. to give you a whole car instead of a three quarters of a That's car. That's right. That's when right. It, when, in fact, there are, there are conditions in terms of that. That's so exactly we, right. we would like to see all, all terms of policy conditions disclosed when they're a unique coverage uh, perspective. And I always like to make things very simple. And I would tell the insurance commissioners, Ed, very simple. I mean, I like to make things simple because I'm not a very smart guy, Ed. And so I just assume everybody else isn't either. Now, we know that there's two places people buy insurance. They buy from agents and they buy online. And steadily since the internet has come along, this group that buy from agents has slowly started to fade over. Now, I'm willing to bet, Mr. and Mrs. Insurance Commissioner, that over the next 10 years, would you assume that these people who buy from agents is going to slowly creep over to online? Or would you feel that the online people would be slowly going back to the agent? I think we can all understand that, if, that, that uh, whether we hate it or not, it's the truth. Every day that goes by, there's more people who feel comfortable buying their insurance online. With that said, as an agent, we have to disclose all this stuff. I can't tell somebody they have replacement costs on their car without telling them it's a year or 15,000 miles or less. And now, why are we not making the consumer hear that in the other channel? I think that's as clear as day. I mean, it's, it's absolutely as clear as day that they would be able to say, okay, if the consumer is now moving to this avenue, we need to have the same protections there. Why would they not do that, Ed? Why would they not see it that way? Well, that's the million-dollar question, and our, our question is, why hasn't it happened to date? And I think the reason why is that as the environment is, as, has progressed, I've actually received uh, information from, from people that I know in our New York State Insurance Department, Department of Financial Services, that in fact, the, the marketplace has gone past uh, the capacity of the department regulator to their arms around it. And they recognize that there are, there's a somewhat of a lag there, and they need, realize that there needs to be made progress in that area. So I think it's a, it's a growing area of uh, opportunity and concern. I agree. I agree emphatically. That's why when you reached out to me, um, I was like, hey, I'm going to listen to this. And um, I think this is such a need. To be honest with you, what I've been thinking about doing, and first of all, I love you doing this podcast, is what it's going to allow us to do is we need to... Okay, so here's, you need to get your posse together, and I know it's probably already there, but you need to equip the independent insurance agents. What do you mean? I'm competing against Geico every day. I'm competing against Liberty Mutual Online every day. I'm competing against insurance and this stuff. Where is the thing that we can give to our client to say, listen, here's the four areas of this Geico policy that they are not providing coverage. And not only are they not providing coverage, did you realize that they offer coverage this way and none of our companies do, right? Where, where is that thing? Why are you not equipping us, Ed? 
Well, I think one of the things that has to happen there is that, you know, and, and I actually teach classes on value to agents and point out to them that if you really want to understand your competitor, go be a consumer at that competitor and listen to what they say to you because they're very good at what they do, but compared to how we do it, you know, there is no reason for us to be afraid of competing against people who try to sell you a product just because they want to make a sale. And so, you know, there, there are lots of ways that agents can create value that compete effectively against those other models. But, but, but and I agree, but, but Ed, we're not going to go do that. I mean, I've called Geico before with my sales team or my, my service staff. And I, I've totally done that, like, and had them on the phone, put it on. And, and so we could listen to it, but like, I'm not going to get the policy and then go through it and try to compare. And you would say, and Bill Wilson, I know is saying this as he's listening to this, he's saying, well, Jason, why don't you be at an insurance advisor? And if you, if you want to know your competition, you need to be researching them and you need to know that stuff. I get it. But you guys are also saying every company is so different. Like I would just live my whole life doing that. So how do we create some kind of mechanism inside the insurance industry that every time Geico or our, these people who are doing these things, um, they start creating these things, we should be able to say, hey, guys, here's who your competition is. And we've looked at their policies and here's what it is. And there would be a resource online that I could go to at any time and print it off and it would be updated with, hey, I'm competing against Geico. I'll be honest with you, dude. I don't really have a hard time against Geico, but I'm not a non-standard guy. So I like I blow them out of the water or whatever. And usually that's not our customer in the area we're at. But there's a lot of agents who do compete against them. And when you're telling them, when you tell them some of the stuff that Geico does, they're going to be like, holy cow, like, why didn't anybody tell me this? Well, you know, Jason, that's actually like the second or third step in this process that we're talking about. First, we'd like to get the coverage posted online, the actual policy forms. And then people like Bill Wilson and others who have a, a propensity for that technical review, mm-hmm. they'll make those reviews and those comparisons and create that source, not unlike a Wikipedia, so that people can go out and actually see the differences among policies. Whoa, that would be great, Ed. That would be super. But that's, you know, that's, that's two or three steps out from where we are right now. Okay, why? Why is that not step one? Well, just because I think we can't make that analysis until we can actually see the contracts posted so that we can get access to them and and compare and contrast them. Oh, so you can't get access to these companies' contracts or policies? No, most companies won't. If if you call up a company and ask for a copy of their contract, um, Bill Wilson's experience is that they won't give you one. Huh. So you literally have to go go buy the policy. And then be right. able to, yeah, okay. But they're, but they have to be approved by the insurance department. Good call. And so, you, so you know that they're available to be posted. Uh-huh. And so, if we get, if we get them posted online as just a requirement after you, after you file your rate and form, you post your policy online, and then they're in, a, they're in a, a repository where they can, they can be accessed, and then people like Bill Wilson can provide the technical comparison and point out flaws in policies. Now, I read your overview, and I didn't, I didn't pull that out of that, and I apologize if I, I didn't get it because. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, that's exactly what needs to be done. But in my opinion, you're going to 50 um, regulators. You're going to the, the, the regular of each state. And like, that's like 50. And there you got like a posse. And I mean, you guys roll deep, Ed. Okay, I know you guys roll deep with your posse. But like you got 180,000 independent insurance agents. And if and I know that's why you're on this podcast. But it's also it's like, Man, it's crazy because you need to get into the ear of the of the regulators to be able to get them to understand that they need to post their the contracts. We need to get the companies to do it after the state approves them. But on the backside, you really need to get the agents in there because the agents 
it saying this is baloney. I mean, I'm in these agents groups all the time and I'm like, oh man, my insured, they received this letter from Geico or they received this letter from so-and-so. This is illegal. They shouldn't be able to do this. So there's already this big momentum out there. And I'm so excited that someone like you asked to come on this podcast so that we can get you into their ear to say, hey, and Ed, if they want to find out more about you, like where, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, they can get a hold of me at uh, ed at tiagency.com and uh, they can get me my, my uh, personal cell phone. Uh, 315-783-0651. Say that cell phone one more time. 315-783-0651. I guess I really didn't make you have to say it again because I could just hit the back button 10 seconds. I'm, I'm forgetting, Ed. We're not live here. This isn't Hollywood. Right. This isn't Hollywood. <laughs> to me, it's always Hollywood, Ed. It's always Hollywood. So, Ed, I mean, wrapping this up, I mean, here you are in the ear of probably about 30,000 agents. What do you want them to take away and what should they do? We would like them to contact every thought leader that they know who has an influence in the industry to sign on and endorse our our, uh, our document that uh, points out these these uh, things that we're trying to get done. And, and we're actually reaching out to carriers because we actually already got one major regional carrier in New York signed on as a CEO. Because what we need to do is we need to be able to get that influence so that when we go to regulators, we can say, listen, we're not just talking three or four people who have this concern. We're talking about a lot of people who have a concern and realize that it's it's time now that we need to make a change because at the end of the day, it's the American consumer that's losing here. That is right. That is absolutely right. It really is highway robbery. I mean, it really is, Ed. And I appreciate you, um, my boy, uh, Chris. We really do appreciate you, uh, Bill Wilson. If you don't know Bill, guys, uh, he's got – what's his – I follow him at so many places in LinkedIn and Facebook that I automatically see it. But what's that place he writes at? What's his website? Bill is insurance commentary at outlook.com. That's what it is. Say it one more time. Insurance commentary at outlook.com. Yeah. Bill is a smart dude. And like, you can throw these crazy questions to him. We do it in the mastermind every once in a while. We'll like, hey, like Bill, boom, boom, boom. And he'll come back with some stuff and and things that I've even been taught as a CIC, right? That I've like been telling people. And then I'll say something and I'll be like, oh, I think it's this and this. And Bill will pop in and say, no, Cass, it actually says this, this, and this in the wording. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, oh my God, I didn't realize that. So anyways, uh, thank you, Ed, for your time, man. We really do appreciate it. You're very welcome. Great to talk to you. I'd like for you to maybe come back in probably four, six, eight months, and we'll just keep this going and keep getting the word out. Keep in mind, this will be listened to probably, I don't know, about uh, around 1,500 times when it it releases in the first couple of days, but it'll be listened to probably in the neighborhood of five to 10,000 times over the course of this year. So we'll keep the word going for you, and I hope to bring you back and, and we can see where progress we are getting with the regulators, okay? Wonderful. Fantastic. I really do appreciate your time. And as you guys know, I appreciate you as a loyal listener of Agents Influence Conversations with Jason Cass. Today, we spoke with Ed Higgins about protecting the consumer and getting awareness out there that we do provide value, but it's also the lack of value that the consumer thinks is being provided with a value from the other companies who simply are not providing the same thing. Folks, it's true. Companies do not have the same policy. Yes, I would say, and you know, Bill and Ed and them are going to kill me here, but maybe Travelers has the same pretty much policy as MetLife or whatever. We all kind of know they give and take some. 
unless you're Erie Insurance. Erie Insurance truly has the best policy on the planet, hands down. Just telling you right now, guys, best policy on the planet. But the point is the consumer knows that when they come into our office because we educate them on the differences. But when they're going online, there's no one educating them. And not only is there no one educating them, but they're also being deceived with certain one lines that are creating an image or an expectation of protection in the consumer's mind that's not necessarily there. And Ed and his posse is just saying, hey, we think that if they're going to buy in that channel, as opposed to this channel, they should have the same awareness. They should be told the same thing. They should have the same disclosures. And that's what they're asking. And, and, and this is why this industry is awesome. Because there's people like Ed who have made a ton of money in their life. There's people like Chris Amron and Bill Whistlin who've been successful, helping protect people their whole life. They could go into Florida and run away into the St. Andrews, uh, not St. Andrews, that's an actual golf course, into St. Martin and just and just lay by the beach their whole their whole life. But they said, no, as Ed said, before I hang up the cleats, this needs to be done. This isn't for his pocketbook. This isn't for your pocketbook. This is for protection of the consumer. That's what this industry is loaded with, with people like Ed, Chris, and Bill. Kudos to you. Wes, keep them going. And in the meantime, this has been Agents Influence Podcast, Conversations with Jason Cass. I am 